It's January 16th, 2023. This is Rook. Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 230 of Rook. Take heart. There may not be a fast track solution, but there are many front lines in this new Iranian revolution. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Salam, Dustan Aziz. Take heart. There are many front lines in this new Iranian revolution. Yes, the fall of the Islamic Republic depends on what the brave folks inside Iran can do, but it's about external pressure on an isolated theocracy, too. The uprising is global, dear friends. There are many front lines in this new Iranian revolution. It's incumbent upon us to not simply judge success by the numbers out on the streets of Tehran, but also by the impact of the actions of those of us no longer in Iran. And so it was today that thousands descended upon the small city of Strasbourg in France near the German border, the home of the European Parliament, to call on EU governments to include the IRGC in the list of terrorist groups. It was an inspired turnout with a gazillion Shida Horshid flags and the collective raising of the Iranian fist and members of the parliaments of various European nations joining the speakers list, each oration imploring the world to no longer ignore each representative asking governments to punish the IRGC and do more. And you see, we have to count this as a win. It's not all going to come at once, it's a marathon that we're in. And some of the victories will be from inside the Iranian borders, but other significant steps will emanate from diasporic orders. Try to think of the end of this regime as coming less from one big shot at the mullah's nose, but rather an incremental erosion of power, the death of a thousand blows wearing the murderers down through a war of attrition, coming at them from every angle, every worldwide position. Take heart, there may not be a fast-track solution, but there are many front lines in this Iranian revolution. That's why it's so hard to gauge momentum at times during this period, because it's not in one big demonstration or one national strike. It's from individual bravery, slogans on walls, social media campaigns, civil disobedience, economic suspension, and international attention. It's in the young Iranian women and men demanding a nation that is free. It's in the de facto opposition leaders coming together with one collective decree. Don't judge the insurrection book by its cover design. Consider the aggregate leading to this regime's decline. Thank you organizers at Strasbourg today for providing a necessary intrusion. There are many front lines in this new Iranian revolution. Coming up on this edition of Rook, actor and activist Navid Negahman, social media influencer and professional coach Dr. Shahab Anari, plus the Rook Roundtable. This is Rook, episode 230, The Uprising. There are many front lines in this revolution. Right. Back here in Toronto, in the Rook studio, after a week or so of being away. Nice to be back. I have been in the Middle East, mm. where it was warmer uh, than it is nice. here. Uh, hello, Shia. Hi, hi. Uh, and hello, Dario. Hello. First time in 2023. It is first time. You. Nice to have you back here. Thank Pega, uh, our familiar voice, and uh, who has been joining us for the, uh, the roundtable for the last few months, uh, is away this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, still away, but back next Monday. So, mm-hmm. Pega, have fun where you are or an interesting time. 
and so much has happened in the last week and a half. It's it's kind of a nojur time <laughs> to go uh, to, to 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 not be here. Even though I was doing work, uh, uh, rook related stuff when I was away. Um, I miss being in the studio, reacting to the things that are happening and to also to events that are happening in Toronto. We're going to get to that, what we've missed, what we've talked about in the last week and a half. We also have Navid Negahban coming up uh, later in the show. Navid um, has been on our program before. He is a prolific, famous Iranian-American actor. Um, the guy has been in everything. <laughs> you know, He's been in big feature films and also in smaller indie films. You know him from Tehran, from 24, from The West Wing, from American Assassin, um, his voiceovers on big animated films. He has been very outspoken uh, since the uprising began four months ago. And so he will be joining us um, to give us his perspective. Um, he's also been very outspoken about um, uh, to speaking to people inside Iran, saying, get out on the streets, come on, let's go. So he joins us from Lisbon coming up. And in a few minutes, Dr. Shahab Anari will join us here in the Rook studio. Um, Dr. Anari has been on the show as well before. He is a, um, a business person, a social media influencer. He's got a huge following and a professional coach, coach. meaning it's not just that he's a professional coach, he coaches professionals. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to talk, uh, we're gonna talk about um, something that we haven't been talking a lot about, is what can professionals or business people, mm -hmm. uh, especially those in the diaspora, people who own businesses, people who are doing professional work uh, occupationally, what can they do to support the movement for freedom in Iran? Yes. And, um, how is this affecting them? What is he, what is he learning from his clients as a professional coach um, from the work he's doing uh, over the last four months? So Dr. Shahab Anari, always interesting, always has a lot of opinions. You don't want to miss him. He'll be coming up in the Rook studio in just a few moments. I was in, um, I was in Beirut, Lebanon, and in some other places over the last 12 days, days or so in the Middle East. I had the occasion to interview uh, the great poet and activist Hila Sediqi. Mm -hmm. um, first time I've done that in person. She's been on our program before, but I'd never met her in person. Um, we had quite an intense interview, uh, feature interview, um, specifically talking about, you know, there's been so much focus on executions. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's been 20,000 or more people imprisoned since the protests began, sometimes just for protesting or suggesting they're gonna protest. And Hila Sediri, who of course has been arrested many times herself, uh, she's now outside of Iran, but um, she famously got her um, public uh, recognition start during the Green Movement, being this young poet and uh, has been arrested many times after that. She sheds insights on how um, imprisonment in Iran, especially political imprisonment, um, can be devastating. So even though people are not being executed, uh, sadly, uh, they are 
um, being tortured, oh, yeah. psychologically tortured. Yes. They come out right. of prison, in some cases, a different person. And the torture doesn't end when you leave prison uh, because um, you know, you've been so affected by that and it affects your job prospects, anything you're going to do after that uh, with this regime still in power. So um, we had quite a conversation about that. She's, she's so... Um, her perspective is, is riveting, and she's still uh, living close to Iran and uh, feeling the implications of, of her words. So Hila Sediri will run that, um, bring that to you on Thursday. That was something that we taped it's on camera as well, so we'll play the video of that. And so it was an interesting uh, week and a half. Yes. In the Middle East, you I said Middle East, and the, like the place is warmer, but not every place in Middle That's Middle true. That's true. The yeah. places I went were warmer. Yeah, Tehran. Uh, it's colder than Toronto these days. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Minus something in. Oh Tehran. yeah, minus fourteen. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, crazy. Okay. Yeah. No, I was in. Uh, I, I mean, the coldest it got was Beirut, uh-huh. because then I went to. Uh, the places I was kind of traveling in is it was warmer. I was I was I was searching for where we may be able to um, find some interesting um, information for a future documentary um, in Beirut. <laughs> was it the first time that first time I've ever been to Lebanon? Okay. And I have to say, my first real Middle Eastern a stereotypical movie type experience. Oh, you know, <laughs> what happened? I've been to a number of places in 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 the world, uh, but uh, it's never been this trademark like this textbook. So I land in Beirut, and uh, I go to the customs area, mm-hmm. and it's and it's one of those. I mean, it just happened to be, but the hot the 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 airport was hot, and the ceiling was low. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. It's not like you know. It's not like O'Hare or, mm-hmm. or uh, the Frankfurt. It's not like a huge airport, yeah. you know. It's kind of, and so I go to the area where, and there's you know guys in military outfits with machine guns and things like that. I mean, it's the Middle East, but I go to the place where I'm supposed to um, give my passport and you know, the, what are the customs or yeah. immigration right. or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> I give my passport. It's Canadian passport. Yes. I'm Canadian, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I put the passport down, and the guy who's in a military outfit uh, looks at me kind of sternly and goes, "What are you from?" You know? Uh, and I'm like, uh, "What? what? <laughs> I'm from Canada. Look, this my passport's right there." Like, no, no, no. Where are you from? Oh. Right? And uh, and I go, "I'm from Canada." I. Also, I've just, my previous passport, because I've traveled a lot in the last 10 years um, for all kinds of reasons, is packed, right? So I had yes. to get a new passport. Mm-hmm. So this was my brand new passport. <laughs> so there's nothing in it. There's like one stamp from, you know, Amsterdam or something. There's nothing in it, yeah. you know, it's like brand new. <laughs> so it's the guy's looking at a brand new with nothing, you know, no, no, where are you from? And and. And I go, I'm I'm from Canada. And he goes, well, where were you born? You know, and I go, I was born in, uh, I was born in London. It says right there, I was born in England. I'm from Eng- England and Canada, and uh, and so this is the the Middle Eastern yes. movie thing where he goes, because uh, I've never actually heard somebody say this. He goes, where is your father from? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I got the where is your father from wow, question. Yeah. So he got, where is your father from? And I go. Iran, <laughs> like looking, wondering what the, what the, what's, what's, what's going to come from me saying this? Yeah, 
because I know I've heard mixed things. Uh, oh, Lebanon, they love Iranians. Oh, Iran, careful in Lebanon. They don't like Iranians. Hezbollah. So, uh, so where is your father from? Iran. And then uh, he says, why you don't have Iranian passport? Oh. And he said it kind of angry, like I thought he was, you know, Very mad. Like, isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. Because I know they ask that question in Iran, obviously. Yeah. If I travel to Iran, yes, yes. I'm not going to Iran. I'm in Beirut. Yeah. Why you don't have Iranian passport? And I go, well, because I'm not, I'm Canadian, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any, you know, I'm, and, and so he's kind of getting frustrated. He's like, you know, uh, and, and, but, and which is just so interesting, right? It's like yes. I've lived in this country for decades, you know, but they, they wow. just take one look at the passport and one look at my face and go, this guy's not from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, like, I'm fucking Canadian. Look at the, you know. So anyway, he goes, uh, so this, honestly, in real time, it was probably about six or seven minutes that he keeps questioning me, wow. which is a significant amount yes. of time. And uh, and and I, I'm beginning to wonder, like I'm kind of half bemused, like, wow, well, look at the situation I'm in, but also half kind of a little freaked out, like yes. where is this leading to? What, right. have, what have I done? What's the problem? Mm-hmm. Right? So then I remember that I have my old passport with me just in case somebody needed to see, and I go, um, I'm a journalist, you know, I've I've traveled a lot of places. Do you want to see my other passport? And he goes, oh, you have other passport? And I said, yeah. So I bring out, which is also Canadian passport, yeah. and and it has, you know, a gazillion, it has yeah. Sochi Olympics yeah. and, you know, and Mexico and, and Japan or whatever. And so he went through that, and then he said, okay, and let me go. Okay. I'm you sure that- You got a taste of it. Yeah, I know that pales in comparison to, what people have been through over the years, but I mean, uh, um, you know, just the where are you from, mm-hmm. when and and where's your father from, and was pretty sad. That said, uh, and not mother, just father. Yeah, why is that? I mean, is yeah. that just a patriarchal thing, or is there a reason? Um, why? I don't know. Like in Iran, at least, it's just like your uh, ethnicity and your religion, everything passed through father. Father. I think it's a Middle Eastern thing. I, I don't know. Even if you're, does it matter if you're a woman? Are you, yeah. Would he ask you who's your, where's your father from as well? Oh yeah, yeah. it's gonna be always father, mm. mother, non-existence mm. kind of thing, which is very sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Navid Negahbon coming up. Dr. Shahab uh, Anari in just a few moments in the Rook studio. But let's first get to our Rook roundtable. So a few things happening around the diaspora, uh, as I said in the last week and a half, but we don't even have to go back very far because today was actually a pretty epic day. Because we're in North America, much of this has already transpired in Europe, even though we're taping this in the early evening. So uh, Strasbourg, France today, thousands of Iranians who live in various European cities gathered in Strasbourg, uh, which is the seat of the European Parliament, right? Um, This was to call on EU governments to include the IRGC in the list of terrorist groups. Um, what can you tell us about? I know we, this was an anticipated day. This it was, was yeah. another one like the Berlin 
big uh, Berlin demonstration and one of those days where we hope we're going to see a big turnout. And um, so yes. what, what have you observed, Daria? So, yeah, like uh, in the past few weeks, uh, it, it was announced and Adi Reza Khundi, who is a member of Swedish parliament, who was like, he was the main person who organized it. Uh, yeah, like there were like many announcements for people to go there. And then again, like like Berlin, there were a lot of posts in social media of people, you know, getting into bus together, into uh, trains to get to uh, Stratford to uh, get to the demonstration. Iranians and from different parts Iranians of Europe. from everywhere. Yeah. And also not, not just Iranian, like... Um, it was interesting from the photos that we uh, like I saw today like there were many Ukrainian flags there as well which like we we all know obviously mm. what what's the reason behind it because Iran is sending missiles to Russia to mm -hmm. attack mm -hmm. Ukraine so um, it's it's good <laughs> that it's Iran and like it's not isolated to Iranian people mm -hmm. that's uh, to push for that but basically, yeah, like the it might also be is it people who are supporting e e Ukraine or Ukrainians also in solidarity with Iranians, maybe? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then, yeah, like the reason for that demonstration was uh, for pushing uh, a motion that was uh, proposed today in a European Parliament uh, to put IRGC, which is Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, into a terrorist list. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was uh, passed today, so that doesn't mean that it's in the terrorist list yet. Tomorrow, they're going to start debating on it, and on Thursday, they will put it in vote, Okay. Um, which is going to be huge. It's going to be very huge because, uh, yeah, like, a, basically, like, IRGC is whole Iran's regime. Mm -hmm. Like, you cannot trade or you cannot be in touch with Iran's regime without being in touch with mm -hmm. IRGC. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's going to be very big. But as they were saying, this is only the first step. The next step will be to block, uh, if this passed, uh, then they will block the money, uh, which makes it harder for them to do all the money laundry that they yeah. do all around yeah. you know, Europe um, and make the government weaker. I hopefully. think they must have had some uh, rule or call out to like, different countries to have different members of parliament. I was watching the videos today, uh, if you guys saw that, that there was a lot of speakers who were MPs from different countries. There was somebody from Belgium, somebody from European Parliament, somebody from Germany. So th that was intentional probably. That, that was definitely intentional. And then there were many more uh, speakers that were scheduled, but because of security reason, they had to cut off the number of the speakers. But what they tried to do is to have uh, one MP from each uh, country to speak. Uh, so that's, yeah. And that's what right. did you make of the turnout? Did it look like it was a... It, it was great, actually. Uh, uh, the official numbers from police of uh, France, it's uh, 14K, which is actually huge for like a working day. It's Monday and people, hmm. so like people who attended that right. to like take days off right. and get there. So We're spoiled by those numbers in Toronto <laughs> and yeah. Berlin of 80,000, but yeah, 14,000 significant. That is great. Yeah, because like it was always on the weekend. It's way much right. easier to get there right. on the weekend. So yeah, like it was a great day. Uh, the date was determined because this was the day that the EU was putting this motion exactly. forward or something. So yeah, you're right. The middle of the day on a Monday. Yeah. Uh, it's and not, it's, it's Blue Monday also. <laughs> What's that again? Blue, that blue, blue thing? Blue Monday. What is it Blue Monday? Oh, it's the 
third Monday of January is officially is the most depressing day oh. of the year. So it's, <laughs> well, it's, makes called, sense. Yeah, yeah. it's called <laughs> That explains <Blue> everything <laughs> <laughs> for, for the way we've all been moping around. Um, yeah, well, you know, these things, I'm always, uh, I'm trying not to be, but I tend to sometimes go into a cynical place of, well, what's this going to do? But then when I was looking at it today, I was thinking, this is amazing. This is really, um, first of all, it's been, you know, it's been a long time coming because we've been saying this for months, you know, Mm -hmm. and even including here in Canada, you know, Canada gets so much credit for being, you know, the Roshan fact country that's doing so much. Uh, Canada, it's still, the IRGC is still not on the terrorist list here fully. Um, And so watching it today, I felt quite inspired. I thought, uh, I mean, I mentioned it in that opening essay about, um, there's many front lines to this revolution, and this being one of them, um, it was it's it's empowering. Right. Strasbourg, France, a gazillion flags of Shida Horshid and people yeah. cheering, and 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 the the woman who's the president of the European Parliament was really her speech was really fiery, you know, yes. and it was like wow, you you know, you still if you're if you've grown up like I have in the West. Uh, you're still amazed that we have allies at all, you know, people supporting Absolutely. Iranians. It's like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, so, and then also another thing that it's it's good news is that uh, this, like putting them in the list of, uh, list of terrorists and sanction and everything will not be applied to people who had to do the mandatory Sarbazi, which is great news, because like that's, that's always the, That's a always been the, yeah, yeah, concern. yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, that's such a red herring too. It's, of course, you can carve that out. That's been the reason, you know, Canada has given her to not do this, and and it doesn't make any sense. Surely you can make an exception, and yeah, it's laws and politics always. Um, all right, so, uh, well, th- so that's a that's a positive. That's something positive, and and uh, it really speaks to um, a growing global acknowledgement of what is happening uh, in Iran. Some of that global awareness has come because of the executions, uh, which is good, but, uh, you know, it's devastating that these executions are happening, but uh, it's good that it's it's bringing global attention, I suppose. Kind of interesting because executions have been happening for years in Iran. It's the, mm-hmm. the worst in the, in the world in terms of executions. So this is not new, actually, but... Uh, under this regime, but the fact that it is getting attention. That said, it was um, probably the the worst news. I mean, it was it was about a week ago, I guess. And I was uh, I was away, but I saw the news. Yeah. I think it was I was in Beirut of these the two young guys, the mm-hmm. latest uh, executions. This is specifically executions around those who've just simply been protesting. Um, and Daria, you were saying that, that it's funny. We'd been chatting, and you'd saying you you don't actually have the the energy to come even be on the show yeah. when we were talking a couple of weeks ago because you said you were just so wrecked by um, these executions. So, um, can I ask you about that? I mean, what 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 is it that uh, how how is it that these so affect you that you don't even want to come on and talk about it? Well, yeah, it was ten days ago uh, at six January uh, in Canada and seventh in Iran. Um, so yeah, like I'm gonna start with why this affects 
like me personally, I'm not, I'm sh- pretty sure like everyone else sure, is the same. Yeah. I think first of all is a, is like that you know that they're innocent. Like you you feel them. You you feel the same thing that they are protesting for. Mm. Like yeah, like obviously I'm far away from there, but I'm truly feeling them, and I can think that I could be that person there. Mm. I like everyone are resonating with that because each one of us could be that person. Right. And they're young. They're super young, and for no reason. Like one of them, Mohammed Mehdi Karami, he was only twenty-two. Mm. Like he had his whole life ahead of him, and now like it, it's it's gone for for no reason. And then in these sham trials with no lawyer, like nothing about that whole process was logical. Which yeah, like as you said, like it's not the first time. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's the first time that people are paying attention to it. And for us, knowing their stories yeah. make it very more personable. Yes, yes. Like we've seen their pictures, we've seen their families like going We've up. heard his voice. We've heard that his he's voice. the one who left that message for uh, that saying to his dad and he says, uh, I've been put on death row or don't and mom. don't tell mom. Yeah. Yeah, like and like all I can think is that how innocent and how pure your soul must be to when you hear that okay your sentence is death all you could think is that what my mom would think mm. like i like honestly like i think this is the first time i'm talking about it. i'm trying not to cry um because everything about it is so so devastating and on the other hand there's muhammad husseini who he had no next to kin he had no like close family, family. Yeah. they couldn't even get his body they were not releasing his body because like by the law it's just like only parents or i don't know like close families could get the body and then after that you see that the family of muhammad mehdi karami go to the graveyard of muhammad husseini uh, so he like to celebrate his life and to like mourn his Pay tribute to him, yeah. it's everything about it is like I, I cannot think of one single point that I'd be like, okay, like I'm not super sad about it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everything about that whole mm-hmm. story of like how they were innocent and then just like they had to confess to something under like torture. Mm-hmm. And I know um, that like we've lost so many souls uh, within the past four months. So many innocent people were killed, but execution hits us differently. Because it's just like these people were put in torture and like you systematically, like you could kill them. It's 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 so sad. And then the thing is that like, and one thing to your point that it brought more attention of the global attention to yeah. it, it's because they had political uh, godparents. Guardianships, yeah. Uh, so, and like everyone- Didn't, didn't were, save them. Didn't there save them, There were some yeah. folks who were saying that these kind of, Political sponsorships were going to prevent uh, the executions. It didn't. It didn't. didn't happen. But um, but you're so right about the the stories being told because um, it really mitigates against that. You know, there 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 are folks. Unfortunately, I'm still running into them who kind of go, "Well, there's bad things happening everywhere in the world, and Iran. To give we know that this is what it's like in Iran. What are you going to do? You know." Um, and so it's easy to sort of brush this off as it's a cruel world, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But when you get to know their names, and this is why I really have appreciated the say their names, um, tell their stories, part of the, the, the 
this movement's uh, language, you know, over the last few months, is because you, when you get to know these people as human beings, even a little bit about their stories, uh, you, to hear their voice, to see other pictures of them, it really brings it home. You really start to, I mean, I think, I was going to segue into talking about PS752 and the, the memorials that happened around that, but one of the reasons that hits us all so hard is mm-hmm. that some of us actually knew these people, you know, some of them on the on the plane, but also they're, when we hear their stories, we go, they're just like us. Exactly. Now we know who, the, and and yeah, I mean, Mati Karami, I mean, they're just these lives snuffed out, as you say, for nothing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, like knowing their stories just make it, way harder to deal with and, and it's great and it's great and we have to keep doing that and uh i mean it's it's great because uh, sorry what's great to know their story yeah, yes, and yes. to know uh what what their family is also yes. going through and not just only them uh and like a good thing uh, that's um, that also happened is that there are also like two other uh people on the same like uh Crime, if we want, like not crime. I don't know what to call it, but like in the same um, charges. Charges, yeah. yeah they, they had is Muhammad uh, Borogani and Muhammad Qobadlu. They're they're also sentenced to death by execution, and they're waiting for their sentence. Uh, and uh, a couple days after uh, the execution of uh, Muhammad Karami and Muhammad Husseini, uh, there was some news on like it was it was at night in Iran like 1 a.m. 2 a.m. that uh, there were like these tweets going around that oh there is an ambulance on um, uh, Rajai Shah which is the prison that they've been held and the security guards are increasing so there is a risk that they will be executed in the morning because another thing is that oh and people turned up there people turned up there yeah like at 1 a.m. people like started going there and then they demonstrated and gathered around uh, the prison to overwhelm uh, the guards so like they cancel or postpone or whatever like do something about uh, not executing uh, those two and uh, they're still alive I don't know honestly like I don't know if that was the reason or was some other things but but the whole uh, movement was so uh, powerful it's heartening It's it's heartening when you see people uh, in Iran, turn up like that, uh, with no vir- virtually no notice, just like that. To exactly, kind of, like we've seen that before, and with Hossein Renaki around the hospital, and um, it it really doesn't help regime to scare people. It makes people more, you know, more uh, motivated, more passionate to go to uh, protest against the regime. I, does it? I mean, I, I think it it certainly doesn't help. The regime win any fans. I mean, it, it it deepens the hatred. But I do feel like there's been a chill, you know, over the last few weeks with these executions, with the brutality of this regime. That it's thrown a uh, it has thrown a chill down the spine of the spine of the protests. Don't you feel that? Mm, I'm not sure if it was because of the oh execution. Yeah, true, maybe yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure, for sure, a lot of parents they probably wouldn't allow their yeah. children to mm-hmm. go protest. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, I can I can totally see my mom. Like if if I was living in Iran, like I would I'm totally seeing my mom. It's like you're forbid 
from going mm-hmm. anywhere. You'd uh, still go. <laughs> I, I would yeah. still go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's scary. So, um, but also like these little things, like people gathering around prison, um, mm-hmm. it just shows that no, like it it not died out. People were still there because, like, at the same time, like there were some videos around the time that people were gathering around the prison that, like, there were like uh, sounds of shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't at least see any news that people, like, anyone got hurt. But I mean, you know that you're risking. You're going mm-hmm. where, like, somewhere that people are armed, right? And you still go, yeah. and because you just want to save one more life. And it's. And, and it's inspiring and if yeah there's still people who i mean when when somebody says uh um maybe balance it out a bit why are you guys talking so much politics or something it's hard to it's hard for me to get my head around that i mean i maybe i'm just too deep in the in reading the, the news too much but um how can you talk about anything else when they're i mean it's it's so Barbaric! What this regime is doing—it's impossible to. So, did, also a week ago, yep. was the third anniversary of flight uh, PS seven five two. Now we did our show mm-hmm. about a week and a half ago about that. Then I took off. Uh, I had to go to do this thing in the Middle East, and and um, it really, really, actually was really hard for me to be away from uh, Toronto on that anniversary because yes. Toronto has really been one of the epicenters of of grieving and, yes. and action right. around PS752. And so it, it was very hard for me. It broke my heart to, to not be here, although I was posting about it and here in spirit, of course. Um, but Chai, you were there at the yes. memorial. Yes, a I couple of the Rook team members were there, and you, yeah. and um, and this is the one that was televised with uh, with uh, Ahmed uh, Smailun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. performances. Rihanna performed, and a few mm-hmm. other people, mm-hmm. and and uh, of course Nazanin Boniadi and Massey Elijad and yes. uh, Justin Trudeau and and the leader of the opposition as well was there. So how how did you? feel about that event it was very it, it was very emotional very emotional like uh, you can uh, hear you could hear the sound of crying non-stop yeah and uh, especially when they show the, the pictures, pictures of and, the, yes. and uh, tell their names say their said their names um, even uh, even some of uh, some of the pictures you don't know them but by looking at their eyes and I, I don't remember how many times I cried mm-hmm. you know? yeah. it was very emotional um, beside that the other thing that was interesting for me was like it was kind of a debate between two uh, parties in Canada you know like uh, Justin Trudeau had uh, his own speech, and then the leader of opposition, Pierre Poilievre. Yeah, and he, he actually his speech is is way more stronger than oh. Justin. Yeah, and people cheer that, like yeah, and yeah, that was interesting. And also, uh, Hamid had had his own speech, which he mentioned that Canada has to once and for all forever put IRGC in a terrorist mm-hmm. list 
and uh, yeah but the ma the main picture was the non-stop crying yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and then after that from there people went to Melesman yeah. yeah and there were there were to be fair this was commemorated in cities around Canada around the world too yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, this main event was in Toronto but mm -hmm. um, yeah even I saw it um, being memorialized everywhere it's it's tough I'm not sure quite how to say it but you know on on things like the anniversary of PS 752 you want to balance your mourning with turning that grief um, and commiseration if you're in a group with into action somehow mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like well, we already know all the sad news you know and now it's uh, how do we how do we come together how do we collectively move this push this ball forward right um, and I know the families of uh, the, the PS752 have been trying to do that and have been on the front lines of, yes. of actually this revolution, you know, in terms yeah. of organizing and trying to get people out and um, remembering those who've died. And yeah, uh, I, I have uh, sorry, I have to mention that it was very well organized. Oh yeah, you know, it was. In, in, uh, compared to other Persian uh, ceremonies, and yeah, it was really well organized. Yeah. I was watching it online and like even yeah broadcasting it it was it great good. Like, yeah, yeah it, yeah, it was yeah. great so yeah. yeah like I was uh, I told you Jean I, I was crying like obviously like seeing all those names and pictures like half of it was like because of them and half of it was like I I wanted to be there and I'm not so yeah it it, it was very well organized and touching yeah um, there's a couple of people that I um, knew on that plane and, and uh, one of them um, we're still Facebook friends like they've never closed her oh. Facebook page mm. so once a year uh, you know when a Facebook reminds you of the birthday it always says it's her birthday and you want to uh. you know it just it always I mean these things crush me so when I see wow. their picture um, there were a couple. It, it always, uh, and it doesn't matter what time of year it is, when it is, it just yeah. just crushes me, just crushes me. It's it's just such an outrageous event. Still can't get my head around it. Shooting down a plane of innocent people. Um, when you, we talk about the IRGC being put on the terrorist list, um, that is something that was, I guess, in concert with today's Strasbourg uh, event. Uh, that that was uh, the call out um, from a series of tweets once again mm -hmm. by some of the quote unquote leaders of the opposition right mm -hmm. now in the Iranian diaspora last night. So um, Reza Pahlavi, Nazanin Boyadi, Ali Karimi, Masih El Nijad, and Golshifteh. Uh, they all tweeted the same thing all at once. And um, which was basically put the IRGC on the terrorist list. Not Hamid. Hamid is <laughs> conspicuously yeah. missing from uh, that yeah. group. This but time. he tweeted a separate tweet about the yes, same did. thing. But yeah, yeah, like he wasn't. He wasn't in the it's group. Yeah, and how do we feel about that? I'm sad. That I'm he's sad. not. That that that. It just doesn't feel helpful. Yeah. Like I, I want everybody to get together. Honestly, I, I'm sure they have their reasons, but I. I yeah. yeah, 
on I told you like I I don't know how to feel about it and what to say. Like I was very very happy uh, in New Year's Eve that they tweeted all from including Hamid the same tweet. Um last night when I saw that I mean I, I don't want to comment about it cuz I know like there was a reason and we don't know about it and anything that I would say is just like a guess. Mm. Um I wish he was included like he was part of that group i wish but i don't know why it wasn't well it's obviously difficult because the reason why there's a bunch of different people is they each have their audiences and some of them are going to disagree with somebody else's group and um we know there's some really hard hard factions and and uh i i know everybody for example yeah so 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 i guess it's it's a it's a weighted thing you know it's a heavy thing to do to to join with these others and but it 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 felt so empowering on new year's okay. eve to see them you know it, it it takes things to another level of power i actually wish there was more people you know more mm -hmm. prominent people joining these these uh tweets or maybe they're not getting asked to i don't know yeah. but um yeah especially that people are like they they've been keep asking about an love or hambastegi yeah but uh, what coalition yeah coalition so yeah, like it, it was like it was very great to see that on New Year's Eve, and it, it was still great last night to see like five of them tweet the same. What's the yeah. word for coalition? And what's the word for strike? Right. And also And when and when those get used. I'm always like, which yeah. one is it again? Uh, do <laughs> we want a strike or a coalition? <laughs> <laughs> they all yeah. come from an Arabic, uh, like, I don't know what is it. Uh, it's enfeol. It's all based on that. What's enfeol? It's not like it's no, just it's like F to all. Is it F to all? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't. Know. It's, it's getting complicated. Yeah. <laughs> they all come from the same Arabic root. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we are coming to you on rookmedia.com. It's there. You can, you can link to all of our platforms. We are on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and CastBox. If you want to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to our YouTube. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. You can subscribe on any of those platforms and support us by uh, pressing the button that says support us at rookmedia.com. Daria, thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. We'll see you again uh, here soon as part of the Rook Roundtable. And thank you, Shia. Thank you. Let us get to our first guest. first guest has walked into the Rook studio. He is an Iranian-Canadian public speaker and popular social media presence, where he's grown a large following for coaching and advice videos and interviews. Dr. Shahab Anari is the co-founder of a personal branding agency called North Star Success, where he helps clients across the world write, publish, and market their books. He published his first book entitled The How of Personal Branding, Three C's to Become the Highly Paid Authority in Your Field. 
He's also a successful professional coach, and he was ranked among the top 25 Canadian immigrants in 2020. And right now, Dr. Shahab Anari joins me live in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. Hi, Jean. Thanks for inviting me back to the studio. Nice to have you back here. Nice to have you back here. We're going to do something a little different from the last interview that was quite prescriptive uh, and have a free-flowing conversation, uh, if you will. Um, I mean, I like to think they're all free-flowing, but in in this case, uh, to keep it open to um, suggestion and, and uh, as I like to say, using a Canadian metaphor, follow the puck, uh, as we do in hockey. Um, and that is to say, you you are someone who deals with professionals. You are a professional yourself. That is business people or people who are um, who've been educated and and are working in a particular field. And I want to talk to you about those people, both inside Iran and in the diaspora, and their relationship to this revolution and this uprising uh, in Iran. So before we get to that, let me ask you, the coach and the, the, the business person yourself, how have you been processing the last four months as a, an Iranian immig- immigrant yourself? It's been a roller coaster, I should say, you know. Uh, one day you're hopeful that something wonderful is going to happen uh, during this uprising and the next day you hear about all the crazy news coming out of Iran and uh, the oppression and everything else the just recently the executions and so on and so forth so uh, it's been a roller coaster for me I should say uh, I do my best I take my own advice I I take care of my well-being. I I do a lot of self-care. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to sustain my my job and to take care of my family and to serve my clients. But overall, it's been a roller coaster. I'm still hopeful. I believe uh, us Iranians, we have been, uh, you know, they say, learned helplessness. I was looking Hmm. for the word. In psychology, there's a term called learned helplessness. And it means, you know, you've you've tried in the past to change your situation, to get out of pain and and to move into the realm of possibility, but you've been unsuccessful. And because it has happened so many times, you you enter a situation called learned helplessness. You've learned to become helpless. So a lot of Iranians, I believe, especially inside Iran, uh, are struggling with this learned helplessness. And uh, as an Iranian myself, I believe that's the poison that we need to move away from. Because if we think, if we become pessimistic and we think there is no possibility of getting out of this situation, then there's no hope for success for us. So uh, in brief, I, I say I, I'm still hopeful. Well, that learned helplessness um, is a is a form of nihilism. If a form of I don't I, I don't think there's any future, so I'm gonna I don't care. Um, that's something that often gets talked about as a trait of the youth in Iran after everything they've been through, what they've been born into, etc. And yet, it's the youth who've been the leaders of this, of really changing the world for Iranians in the last four months, no matter what the outcome at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily limited to the youth, uh, but 
any person who has tried to change their situation in the past multiple times to no avail, they are prone to get mm. into this condition of learned helplessness. And the antidote to learned helplessness is to, uh, to do accurate thinking. Mm. And let me explain that. Accurate thinking means do not be an extreme pessimist. There are three Ps. Dr. Martin Seligman, one of the leaders of positive psychology, he says, uh, if you're a pessimist, you tend to think of the situation you're in as three Ps. It's permanent, it's pervasive, mm. and it's personal. Mm. If you think of a bad situation as permanent, no, it's not gonna change. Of course, you're a pessimist and you fall into learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. If you think of a situation as pervasive, meaning it's gonna affect all different aspects of my life and, and it will ruin everything, mm -hmm. you will fall into learned helplessness. And if you believe everything is your fault, everything is your fault, it's all personal, it's because you're a bad person, then you will fall into learned mm. helplessness. And the antidote to that is to think of the situation as temporary. Of course, we don't wanna go from one extreme to the other extreme. We wanna do accurate thinking, but most situations are not permanent. If you think of them, there are things, there are aspects that we can change. And in this specific situation regarding the uprising in Iran, it's all down to the people. It's all down to us whether it will remain permanent or it's something that we can eventually change. Mm -hmm. The second thing, pervasive. Yes, we've been hit, but what's been going on, the, you know, they, they've cut off the internet in Iran, they have uh, oppressed people, they have killed hundreds and hundreds of people. They're executing people, yeah. De they're executing people, detained thousands and thousands of people. But, and, and those are horrible things that they've right. done. Yes. We, we cannot deny that. But at the same time, uh, and it might sound, sound like a cliche, but if we look hard enough, there are still things in our personal lives that we can be grateful for. I mean, I don't want to discount the horrifying things that they've done, mm -hmm. but just the fact that a lot of us are hel healthy. We have our family bar by our side. We, are, we still have a shelter over our head. We You're talking about Iranians in Iran? Uh, I mean, Iranians mm -hmm. in Iran or even outside of Iran. I mean, uh, there are things. We're not dead yet. Uh, that, <laughs> I know it might sound like a cliche, but it's not pervasive. Okay. It hasn't affected uh -huh. every single area of okay. your life. A lot of, a lot of Iranians inside Iran, they, they still have the, yes, there's been some horrifying things going on, but they still have things that they can be grateful for. Sure. So that's the second Where thing. Where does the third thing intersect with the revolution, with the current regime in Iran? Is it that we blame ourselves for the yeah, mullahs? Yeah, that's the point. And, and let me emphasize this. I'm talking about accurate thinking. Hmm. I'm not talking about uh, meaningless optimism. I'm not saying you have to go from one extreme to the other extreme. Either it's permanent, or it's gonna to change tomorrow. Mm. Either it's pervasive or everything is fine except for one little sure. tiny bit of our sure. lives. And the third point is personal, being personal. We are not the ones to blame. Part of the problem might be because of us as Iranians, mm -hmm. meaning let's say culturally or we haven't, we, we didn't you know, do our research when we were, uh, I mean our 
parents, yes, not yes. us. Our par- parents. They didn't do enough to stop the Khomeinists exactly, or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's a part that we need to be accountable for, and our parents need to be accountable for. So it's not a hundred percent personal. We are not a hundred percent. We are not the main cause of this. Yeah. We are maybe we contributed. Our parents contributed the, to this, but there are outside uh, factors that have contributed. But it's to interesting this that the, the, the self blame leads to pessimism or inaction yeah. rather than leading to I blame myself, so I got to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What meaning do you assign to it, right? Mm. Uh, and and my main point here is that uh, going back to the idea of learned helplessness. That's the poison we need to get away from. If, if Iranians in Iran, especially the youth, tend to think of the situation as permanent and pervasive, and they tend to um, blame themselves and their parents for the situation, mm-hmm. they, tend, they will fall into learned health. But it's not just the people in, in, in Iran. There's a lot of us here in the diaspora, not maybe us, but a lot of people we know, who fall into these this pattern as well can learned helplessness be can you can you can you be acting in a learned helplessness way in some parts of your thinking or your life or with respect to some things and not others for example i was before christmas or around that time uh, I was at a, a dinner party with some people a couple of whom are very prominent a uh, very successful uh, Iranian Canadian business people, and um, but and so so these are people who've created the conditions where they have become very successful in business. They've made a lot of money. They're doers, right? But when it came to the situation in Iran, the uprising, the revolution, whatever we want to call it, they would fall into this category of extreme pessimism. Their response was, this is the same, the old thing we've seen it over and over again. The regime is not in Raftaninistan, we're not going to be able to get rid of them. This is fantasy. So, And what that leads to, I'm sitting there listening to these guys going, well, as long as you guys are thinking that way, you're, it's either an excuse or it's a reason for your own inaction. And then we're missing these successful and potentially um, influential people from helping to create the change that everybody seems to want. So that learned helplessness may not exist in other parts of their life because they're successful or, you know, materially at least. Uh, But it seems to be the case for Iran. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in this specific example, those people have learned to look at the business situations in an optimistic manner. So when they fail in a business endeavor or when they get rejection by a big client or they lose a big business account, they don't, they tend to not think of it as a permanent situation. They know that they will get the next client or you know the, the situation will eventually sort out. Right. Or the this one client that they they have lost or the failure in the business that they have experienced is not pervasive it has not affected their personal lives their health and so on and so forth so there are other areas in their life that 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 are operating well and also it's not all personal part of it might be personal they have to take responsibility for their actions sure. but but you know other things might have contributed to the situation as well so they have learned to be optimistic in their business endeavors, but not necessarily in the political situation that 
all of us uh, are experiencing right now. But the funny part about that is the way they, I'm guessing, the way they would see it is they're not being inaccurate. They're the accurate ones who are being, quote unquote, realistic about the situation in Iran. Those of us who are fighting for change would be the dreamers. Well, in other words, they I don't think they see their pessimism as as learned helplessness. They would see it as, I'm being realistic. I know the situation in Iran. I was there a couple of months ago. There's nobody in the streets. No, you're foolish or you're a dreamer to think there's going to be change. That's right. And, and, and let me tell you this. Nobody thinks of themselves as unrealistic. Everybody thinks that their mm-hmm. truth is the truth with the capital T. But our truth is our truth with the small t. It's the reality that we are seeing right now. And it's not the whole spectrum of things. So going back to that specific example, those business people, they're not being realistic. They're not seeing the whole view of the reality. Uh, And for any of us who falls into this learned helplessness, to this desperation and frustration with with the current situation right now, you know, some people say, you know, there's no uprising, it's all it's all done it's finished no you know it's not finished again going back to the three p's the situation is not permanent it has changed and it can change it's not pervasive it has affected a lot of aspects of our lives but there is still areas It's already changed a lot yes of Uh, course yes if not nothing else attitudes about uh, the future for sure of course and and on top of that, you know, the awareness that this uprising has created among uh, large populations in Iran and outside of Iran, both Iranians and non-Iranians, yes. a lot of people have have got to know this regime. And this is a great achievement. I know that some people are willing to see bigger changes, but I believe it will take a much longer time. Let me slightly... Um, move from this into the the sort of area of the professional coaching and when you're talking about um, business people and you've actually done done seminars on on business in crisis and uh, we'll sort of get to that but one of the things that I'm hearing from people um, over and over again uh, regardless of the field uh, of, of their work is that this by people I mean Iranian sorry uh, in the diaspora is that they are having trouble focusing. They're having trouble working. They're, they're uh, uh, as Dr. K, who was on the show uh, two or three months ago, was talking about the insomnia that a lot of Iranians are experiencing, having trouble sleeping, um, uh, scrolling through the bad news constantly. Uh, what, what are you telling professionals uh, who come to you as part of the regular coaching you do or who are saying, you know, in general, I am having trouble doing my work. Yeah. First of all, I'm uh, I'm not here in the you know I, I cannot give advice as a psychologist. psychologist. Yes, yes. Yeah, so. I, I just just uh, I wanted your audience to know that I'm not a psychologist. Yeah, I'm a professional coach. Um, but to answer your question, um, let me start by saying this. I believe that the business owner, the Iranian business owner, whether inside Iran or outside Iran, they need to keep their business going. It's an obligation. It's a moral obligation. It's an ethical obligation. Why? Because the business owner, first, 
they have to you know, be, be stay loyal to their dream, their own dream. They have started their business. You know, they have put in this effort, energy, you know, to, to build a dream for themselves and their family. So they have to stay loyal to their dream. Number two, they have to take care of their family. So you can't say, okay, we have the uprising, so you have to stop everything. Mm -hmm. And three, if you keep your business afloat and you keep serving people and earning money, then you will have the assets to support this movement if you want to, to support the people who have been hit mm -hmm. in uh, so many different parts of our country. So I believe business people shouldn't just shut down their business and focus on the uprising. Of course, they need to focus on the uprising. We all need to. We all care about Iran. We all care about this change and this, this big thing that's happening in Iran. But the right way to do it is not to shut down your business. But is there a, is there a hypocrisy of expectation when it comes to different fields that people mm, work and, and live in? For example, and we talked about this a little bit on this show, and maybe I'm uh, overly sensitive about it because I come from the arts and the communications and the media. But certainly if you're, if you're in the arts and if you're in that general category, especially if you're a prominent actor or you're a musician or you work in film or um, if you're a public speaker, etc., you're in media, you are expected, by which I mean the Iranian community, is expecting those people to be outspoken, to be using their platform, to be um, doing something for the cause, for the uprising, for the revolution, etc. I don't see the same pressure being put on the dentist and uh, the real estate agent and the plumber. Is there hypocrisy there? There is hypocrisy there. I, I do believe that. Uh, and there is a remedy to that. Okay. Uh, uh, what, what I've been doing as a, I would say, quote unquote, social media influencer or a public speaker, uh, and what I've been advising my clients to do is to dedicate one channel of communication to the uprising and be the voice of people just 24-7 or, or how, however often they want to be active on that social platform. And also dedicate other channels to keep their business moving forward. Again, I believe it's a moral obligation. Yeah, you need to make money to, to sustain your message. If you want to help people, mm. you can't just shut down your business. So what I've been doing is, for example, on Instagram, I have been the uh, quote unquote voice of people and I've been, you know, posting about the revolution. But on my other channels, for example, on email, I do email marketing. Uh, on Telegram, I post on in within my area of expertise. So I have been selective. Is it the same audience? Uh, there is overlap. There but, is overlap. But, so, but if there isn't, then the, the email people are not hearing your, there is your missives about the revolution? I, I wouldn't say there's 100% similarity okay. or, or they're 100% the same, but there is overlap. And uh, a lot of other business owners have done the same. You know, They have dedicated one channel to just the, the revolution and the other channels to keep their business going. Um, that's one way to do it. I, I'm not saying that everybody can do the same. A lot of people, especially online businesses, especially inside Iran, they have been they have been active on 
Instagram and they don't have mm-hmm. other channels. Mm-hmm. So I can't. But I, I don't want to harp on this, but think about how much pressure was placed on those football players on Team Melly. Think about the musicians who've been told this is not a time to play concerts. You know, there are a couple of prominent right. musicians who were booed because they, they went ahead with a tour. When they, how dare you? How dare you play? I, I, you know, that is not being said mm-hmm. to you know engineers. I mean, and I part of me thinks, well, if it was said, okay, everybody in the Iranian community around the world, you know, you need to devote some of your time away from your work and, and put it into uh, supporting the revolution. Then, then we be we potentially have a different outcome, or stop carping at the musicians and let them play gigs. What? I empathize with those people. I I try to, I try to look at the situation through the lens of their eyes. Probably they they they're thinking, okay, this influencer. They have a large social media following. They they have to take you know take advantage of this this platform and be the voice of people. I I do understand that, but that's only one aspect of the whole reality. Those people who expect everybody especially the the people in arts or or the sports people or yeah. you know the the influencers to dedicate their whole life to their revolution and uprising and not post anything else on their social platforms uh, they're missing another other aspects of the situation just like i said if this business owner or this uh, artist or this media person if they stop their business and if they shut down their business over time over time, mm. they'll lose their impact. They'll lose the ability to sustain their message. They'll lose their platform. Let me give you an example. I posted very heavily about the uprising, uh, especially in the first and second months, and I was shadow banned by Instagram, I would say. You know, my reach dropped dramatically. Yeah. And people, you know, the Arzishis, were, they, they kept reporting my profile. I, I got messages from Instagram. So, uh, I'm just one example. Right, right. If if I shut down, if Shahab well, but, or but, anybody else, they yeah. shut down their business and they get shadow banned and they lose their platform, they will be of no use. You know, they can't help people. They can't support the movement. So there should be some kind of balance. Again, uh, I'm against any extreme kind of thinking. Mm. Just like I mentioned uh, when we were talking about learned helplessness, we need to do accurate thinking, not go to the extremes. And again, in the business world, there should be some balance between supporting the uprising, of course we do that, and keeping the business afloat. There were people, I mean, it, it's sort of, I, I don't hear this as prominently now, but certainly a month or two ago, there was, uh, or three, um, there was there were people who were very, very, um, pointedly calling for business owners inside Iran to close down their businesses in solidarity with, you know, if everybody closes down their business, the country comes to a halt, the regime falls. It's the very, very simplistic version of of the philosophy around it. Did you have any sympathy for people who are calling for that? I empathize with them. I try to understand them, just like I said. Uh, but But you don't agree with them? I don't agree with that, no. Just like I said, I think... Business people, they have a platform. They are, they should be able to take care of their family. They should be, again, I go back to the word, sustain the message. This is not a sprint. This right. is a marathon. Yes. And all of us need to be in it for the long haul. This but the, but the, 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 what people don't want, 
those who are aching for change is business as usual, mm-hmm. right? If everything, if everybody d- doesn't do something because they don't want to be shadow banned or because they've got to keep feeding their kids, then nothing changes. Yes. Yes. So that, where is the balance? Balance. That's, the, yeah. that's that's where you know the, the concept of balance comes in, and it's different for for every person. You know, the business person himself or herself, they have to decide. Uh, what kind of balance they want to create. Just like I mentioned in my case, and the way I advise my clients to operate is to dedicate one channel to the uprising and the other channels to marketing and sales. Uh, That way you are supporting the Mm. revolution and you are being the voice of people and you are empathizing with with, uh, the sufferings that's going on. And at the same time, you are taking care of your family. The problem arises when that business owner acts business as usual, and says nothing about the uprising, does nothing to support the uprising. They're, they're just posting on Instagram as if nothing has happened. And th- that's where the problem comes. So um, I'm sure um, you've seen artists who have been posting on, they, they, for example, stand-up comedians. Sure. They, they, they've lost, they've completely lost their job. And, you know, uh, some of them who are not celebrities, they are struggling to make the ends meet. They are just scrambling. And, and they have come up with creative ideas to, to keep going. For example, the, you know, asking for donation and putting up links for people to, 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 to pay them as, as much as they want. So there are ways that we can all get creative uh, and uh, you know, strike that balance between supporting the revolution and supporting our family and our dream. Do you have any ideas around um, what businesses in Iranian-owned businesses or Iran- Iranians, actually non-Iranian businesses as well, but let's you know talk about the diaspora for a second. What Iranians who are in business in the diaspora, for, let's say professionals as well, can do to support the fight for freedom in Iran? There are different w- things that they can do. For example, one of the first things that come to my mind, and I've been doing that, uh, you know, very frequently, is uh, to find people inside Iran who are helping people and business owners and families that have been hit because of the situation in Iran. For example, families who live in certain provinces in Iran who have been badly hit because of the the way the regime has oppressed people in those areas. Mm -hmm. You can find uh, reliable people in those areas, people who are helping the the families. And you can you can send them money, you can, you know, provide equipment or anything that you can do um, to to help those families. That's one thing that I've been doing personally, uh, especially in uh, as I said, regions and provinces that have been badly hit because of the situation in the past four okay. months. How do you find that family? Uh, uh, what do you mean? How do you find? I mean, uh, when you say um, you support somebody who's uh, been hit hard, where, where do you find the? How, oh, how do you know who you're going to yeah, support? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- th- we find the intermediary, the reliable person who you know takes responsibility of finding those families because. For example, for me, as somebody who's living in Canada, I don't know those people and those families. But I trust someone as an intermediary who is doing this good job, this charitable work, and 
we send money to those people and 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 they will distribute that uh, money to those family needs and this is just an example uh, that i've personally done what um you have a big online um fan base or uh, followership um has the conversation you've been having with your followers or clients um in the in the macro scale you know in the um those hundreds of thousands who follow you especially those um, inside iran or uh, the iranians in the diaspora uh, has the conversation changed in terms of what they're asking you and what they're wanting from you over the last four months yes it has you know it's again going back to the metaphor of roller coaster uh, i've seen that at this moment in time today is january 16th um, folks may listen to this episode months uh, sure. after today but at this moment unfortunately i should say that i i, I get a lot of messages you know um, hopeless messages i would say uh, and uh, that puts a burden on my shoulders uh, and let me first of all let me contrast hopeless about their business or hopeless about the iran change. The hopeless church, about yeah, the change yeah. and let me contrast that with the situation in the first and second months the first and second months it was like impassioned yeah, messages yeah. coming coming from iranians whether inside or outside of iran but this this past 2 3 weeks uh, there is this widespread desperation and helplessness and i would say depression uh, unfortunately, and and that puts burden on my shoulders, uh, and and shows me uh, how important my job is to help them see the full reality, and not fall into the learned helplessness. Going yeah. back to the first part of our conversation, because this is a long game. There will be peaks and valleys. Mm. We might be in a valley right now, but. This is this is a wave. It goes up, it goes down, and this is a long game. And a lot of people just are they, in it. They for want to see results. Exactly. Mm, the, the, yeah. the, and and it makes sense. Yeah. I, I I do empathize with them. But any any important achievement, any big success in our personal lives, professional lives, uh, and in this situation, changing a country or changing a, re, uh, a regime. It's a long game. It takes time. You have to be resilient. Just like I said, there will be peaks and valleys. And it's up to us, uh, people with platforms, people with followers, to uh, disseminate hope mm. and to help people see the full reality. So what's an example of, I mean, I know you can't do a professional coaching session in the middle of an interview necessarily but but what's it, if somebody comes to you and says dr anari i'm i'm you know i'm this professional person and i am feeling hopeless and i'm feeling desperately depressed i thought there was going to be change in iran it doesn't look like it's happening there isn't millions of people in the streets and this is affecting my work now and i'm uh, and and my ability to move forward what's an example of something you would say to yeah. them yeah so i help my audience in different ways. Uh, I do one-to-one -one coaching. That's a different thing. Just like you said, we can't do a full session, coaching session uh, in an interview. But the other thing that I do is that I do a lot of training. I do a lot of events. And I've been holding multiple free events over the past four months uh, dedicated to supporting people 
during this you know tense period uh, whether it's in their businesses in their personal life self-care uh, marketing and so on and so forth so one thing that I do uh, and I'm using myself as an example uh, this is not the only thing that people can do uh, influencers and people with platforms they can uh, offer their some of their services or some of their products for free you know I I'm somebody who thinks of everything in the long term so even as a business owner, I think if you take care of people now, and I'm telling this to my Iranian, you know, fellow Iranians who might be business owners, they are, a lot of them might be struggling because of the mm -hmm. situation, especially those who, who reside in Iran. I'm telling them and, and inviting them, not telling them, I'm inviting the business owners to think of this situation as a long game. Invest in your relationship with people, support people, offer your services and products for free. You might be scrambling right now. You might want to earn more money. You're in a bad financial situation. But again, think of people, give first. Do, do those free events, give away your products and services, be generous with your offers, help people, uh, give them the opportunity, flexible payment plans, you know, help people, support people. You are uh, depositing in your emotional bank with your audience. This is a long game. If you deposit in your emotional bank with people, people will you know, reciprocate in the long mm. run. If you think of the situation as the long run. So what I'm trying to say is that both from the humanistic side, if you support people, it's a, it's a good deed. And from the business side, if you're thinking of it as a, in the long term, just giving to people and supporting people and helping people right. will pay back, uh, you know, eventually at the end. That's great. I like it. Let me end off. Um, I mean, you have to come back regularly. You know, you're so good. It's it's so interesting hearing, getting your perspectives always. Um, let's end off. Let's turn it around and end off. Uh, let's, as someone with a big platform, disseminate hope, as you said. Um, What's something that recently, with respect to our situation as Iranians around the world, you have been exhilarated by? I've been exhilarated just recently. I, I mean, the problem is we, we seem to be increasingly dividing the first two months and the, yeah. the last two months. And the, it was this time of great promise and everything. So I'm trying to make it about more recently so that we can, we can hang our hats on some hopeful uh, things that are happening more recently as well. Yeah. Uh, I would say the crack within the Iranian regime and uh, those people who are m moving away from the core corrupt uh, of this regime and people who are, you know, fleeing the country. I mean, people be belonging to the regime who right. are fleeing the country and who are speaking out. That is something that has given hope to me personally. I think a lot of people are becoming aware of the true nature of this regime. People who previously might not have been aware of what this, you know, these people stand for. Uh, that is something that's giving me hope, and I believe uh, any kind of change uh, stems from uh, awareness. So we need to increase our knowledge, our information, our awareness, and uh, naturally, over time, it will 
it will develop into some kind of change. But I have a question for you as well. Sure. I know Let me just say, though, that that is a great, that is a, that is a source of um, uh, hope or a source of, uh, it's very significant. The intra-regime um, squabbles, uh, I mean, They've, you know, they've started executing, killing people from uh, a friend of mine, a non-Iranian, was saying when they, when they killed uh, somebody recently uh, who was part of the, you know, was a prominent member of the regime. They said, oh, you know, oh, and I said he was a minister. They said, oh, from the Shah's era. No, no, he's a minister like four years ago, and they, they killed him. That we, that starts happening. Uh, to to me, all of what the regime is doing, even though. On one side, it can be seen as their tactics for suppressing. It can also be these are these are great examples of how this is a regime on the run that is extremely worried about its future. When you start executing, you know what what other reason do you have for jailing a fifteen year old? There's no, it doesn't it doesn't it's not good PR. It's it's done out of fear. So um, anyway, go ahead. What's your question for me? Uh, I noticed this shift. Purple. You know, I thought you were going to ask my favorite color. No. Right. I noticed this shift in your energy comparing to, you know, the beginning of our talk and right now. What, oh. what changed for you? How can I ask you how my energy has shifted? Uh, in a positive direction. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, sitting across from your effervescence. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting that. Kind of. Give me a truthful answer. You know, I... I I think, look, we're all, I keep saying these things. I, I do essays about stay optimistic, all of that. But I'm, I, like everyone else, I'm that roller coaster affects me as well. And I think being reminded that it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, which is something I've been saying over and over again. But having someone else say, hey, don't expect this all to happen today or tomorrow. There may be periods of, of, of days or weeks where it's on a down cycle and then it goes back up again and something exhilarating happens. All these opposition leaders come together and say the same thing at once or, or uh, you know, there's a, there's a big demonstration in Iran that shows the strength of the, of the people or whatever it is. Um, so I, I think this conversation in the course of me asking you about um, your own prescriptions or thoughts has reminded me of, of, of that. Make sense? Of course it does. Beautiful. What a great question you you, you uh, offered. <laughs> should people should end every interview that way? Tell me how why you seem to be so so much happier after talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> we finished our conversation, Gio. Why are you so much happier now? You've just talked to me for half an hour. What cl clearly that affected you? Uh, but you're right. I um, thank you for observing my energy. Um, always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for Thank having you for me making back. the time and um, uh, to be continued. Sure. Dr. Shahab Anari here in the Rook Studio.
This is Rook, episode 230, The Uprising. There are many front lines in this revolution. My next guest is a renowned Iranian-American actor and activist. Navid Negahban was born and raised in Mashhad. He left Iran amidst the Iran-Iraq War in 1985 for Turkey, then to Bulgaria, later to Germany, where he spent eight years honing his skills on stage before arriving in the United States. He's become a familiar face in TV and films and award-winning actor and a star of the Iranian community in the process. So you have seen Navid in everything from 24 to Homeland to The West Wing, uh, his starring role in the series Tehran, as well as playing the Shah, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, in the 2009 film Liberation. Navid is the founder of the Romani Center and Studios, an artist's colony and residency in California. He's been very active uh, over the last four months with respect to the revolution bubbling in Iran and right now. Navid Negahban joins me from Lisbon, Portugal today. Hello, sir. Hello to you and all the all the listeners or viewers. How are you guys? Nice to have you back on the program, brother. I, I, I and uh, very interesting to have you in Lisbon. I'm going to ask you about that. First of all, I should say I always want to talk about your uh, riveting talents and works in film and TV. And I know you've been working on different projects currently, but it's hard to talk about anything but the current Iranian uprising right now. And the reality is you've given your platform, at least in social media, entirely over to amplifying voices and posting video messages about the revolution in Iran. Tell me how, first of all, the last four months have affected you. Well, uh, you know, my, I, it hasn't been as hard as it has been on all the Iranian people who are in Iran fighting for their freedom. When you see on the streets, you see that they are going full force and they are trying to do their best. And what we can do from outside is just to 100% support them and back them up and uh, use the platforms, use that, um, um, use the platform my platform is there for people uh, the only reason they have a platform is because of the people uh and um it belongs to them so whatever i can do i wish i could do more you know some of the actions of this regime are so barbaric that it's almost like uh the script would not be written because it would be considered too unrealistic, too unrealistically evil. Uh, like you started a film called The Stoning of Soraya M. And I remember yeah. that there was some criticism that, you know, this is not really the way Iran of today is. And yet we just saw public hangings, like medieval style, Middle Ages style, of protesters in your hometown of Mashhad last month. How do you process this real life script? Okay, the thing is that um, I have nothing against Islam, but I can understand uh, when bunch of, a pack of wild dogs are using Islam as a way of feeding themselves. Um, uh, the thing is that um, the hanging, the stoning, even um, you're being executed just for speaking up. This is not the Islam that I'm familiar with. The problem that we have is that um, group of people, the generation, the generation after the revolution, some of them who have been completely brainwashed by the regime, uh, 
and they are still supporting the regime, and they are still believing that in the desert, uh, uh, the prophet opened his hand from each finger. It was a water pouring into the buckets for the for the thirsty people. The problem that we have is that the group of us, group of Iranian people, are still half sleep, and they they are still believing the bullshit that has been fed to them for past 40 years. They are very greedy. So there are some people who are very greedy in Iran, and they are the ones who are benefiting from the, from all the sufferings. And um, I look at the people right now, they, can, um, they can't even get a gas can to heat up their houses. Um, and at the same time, now they're shipping gas and they're exporting gas to the different countries. But, you know, I, I'm not sure, uh, I mean, I'll ask you about it in a minute. I'm not sure about what we can say to the people inside Iran as those of us outside the, uh, the diaspora, but we can certainly speak to our um, our our compatriots, our equals uh, in the diaspora. And there are a few posts from you where you call out people in the diaspora who've remained silent or who are not speaking out as much. Do you... Navi, do you believe we all have a moral responsibility to be getting engaged in the fight for freedom in Iran? Or, you know, is it just everyone's choice to get involved or not in, in terms of those who are sitting in Toronto or L.A. or Sydney or Lisbon? Of course. I mean, uh, some of the diaspora, some of the people who are sitting right now outside of, uh, outside of Iran, some of them, they were responsible for... Um, for Iran becoming what it is right now. Those are the ones who started the revolution. I mean, even even for me, I was, uh, we were kids, we were teenagers, but, um, and for us, what was, uh, what was handed to us was a, uh, was a country in the middle of the war, um, no adult in the city. We had, uh, we were the kids who had uh, to defend the city, protect the city. I mean, for us, the only thing that it was is that we make sure that our houses are protected, our neighbors' houses are protected, and um, and our neighborhood is safe. I mean, that's that's what it was. And then later on, most of us we left because uh, I got to the point that personally I couldn't do anything and. I was getting myself always in trouble, so I decided to leave. And the journey has been um, has been tough, but I feel that right now, with the with this new wave, this the brave youth, or see the thing is that it's not even um, just the youth that are standing up. They're, um, I think everybody is moving together, and that's the beauty of it, um, because it doesn't matter if you're inside the country, outside the country. Um, I think everybody is joining forces. But to the person who said, I mean, I I know someone who I was in contact with who actually she's living in California, so uh, one of the places that you live or have a, have a, a home. Um, and she was saying, you know, and, and she's sort of posting things on social media that have nothing to do with uh, the uprising in Iran. And, and she's Iranian, but she says, you know, this is not really my thing. Yeah, there's terrible things happening all over the world. I live in California now. Why should I be? I don't, I don't, I don't care to be an activist. What do you say to that person? 
everybody is free to do what they want to do as long as their freedom doesn't take away from my freedom. Um, I mean, if she doesn't want, um, I cannot force her to to stand up for something that she doesn't believe in. Hmm. See, one of the things that you need to understand I think, I think, I think she believes in it. She just doesn't want to necessarily put herself out there, you know, or... or see, the thing is that uh, I, I feel sometimes uh, people... The ones who cannot do anything by joining forces and say things, sometimes by saying things, you might also hurting the movement hmm. when you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, even for me, I'm not a political person. I just see what it is. I'm a humanitarian. I'm trying to help people as much as I can. And I'm, I'm standing out there. I'm just trying to be the uh, amplifier, try to get their voice out. Right, right. Um, and for me, if somebody doesn't feel like um, getting involved or jumping in, that's that's fine with me. I mean, but you're that's but, what but, we are looking. See what but we you're, are looking you're, for. But you're posting looking. videos. You're posting videos saying, "Come on, Digger, let's go get up." You know, this. I mean, about whether it's about the national strikes or it's about demonstrations or whatever. I mean, you want people out there, right? Of course, I want people. That I wish that all of us we would have um, we would have uh, would have get together and move forward um, and uh, just clean up this mess. These these people that are sitting there, they're robbing us right now, and um, they are delaying the process. And this regime, it will never be what it was again. Uh, probably will change i see there are changes coming up and down back and forth left and right whatever it is there is a change coming but the problem is that until this change happens they keep they keep selling pieces out they are they're destroying the country and then there's not much left so um mm -hmm. i feel that i feel that people they really they need to wake up i mean if you're if you're in the country and if you're cold um when you're when you're living in one of the countries that is one of the richest uh oil countries why are you the one who's suffering right. when the gas and oil is being shipped somewhere else right I mean, what to say they said uh, um um I just add, uh, what's that? Uh, I don't even know how to translate that. If you know how to translate, to translate. <laughs> but <laughs> well, but if you have a if you have a candle, you should light your house before uh, before lighting a the mosque. Uh, mosque. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just feel all these judges, the sentences that they are giving out, all these judges, they need to be punished. They need to be punished for what they are doing as um, they, are, um, they are the criminals. Mm. And um, somebody has to, in Iran, um, somebody has to teach them a lesson and uh, show them what it means when they are uh, when they're going and they're sentencing all the Iranian youth or the future of Iran. Um, to to be executed just because of what they said when they are going around they are killing they killed over um, almost 500 500 yep. it, it is more than at, 500. at least I at think least it is yeah. definitely is more yeah. than 500 yeah. and yeah. they keep killing and at the same time nobody 
nobody does any does anything about it. I'm listening to you. Maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling well, like your 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 energy, Navid. I mean, I know it's late in uh, in Lisbon as well. So, but you sound um, you sound frustrated, which is uh, understandable. I think we all feel that you sound somewhat exhausted by um, this this whole thing. Um, are are you? When you said earlier, sometimes it feels like we're speaking out and, and nothing's changing. What do you do in those moments? You're clearly not giving up. You post every day. You're you're very active. What do you say to yourself in those moments where it feels like we're not getting to where we want to get to? Oh, wow. <clears throat> when I left Iran, I was a refugee. I left, uh, I lived in a refugee camp. And when I was in Germany, when I told other people in the camp, I want to be an actor, they were all laughing at me. Uh, you don't speak German, you're coming here and you want to be an actor. I started my career there. I, I did okay. Then when I was working for a theater company in Germany, which was one of the big theater companies in Germany, I told them that I want, I want to go to America. I want to be an actor in America. I never forget the director of our company. He said, I went to Actors Studio in New York. I graduated from Actors Studio and I was this and I was that. Mm. And I'm back here in Germany. I'm back in here and directing a play in the theater. And that's what I'm doing. Right now, you're starting your career here. The people, they are, they are knowing, they get to know you. You're doing commercials. You're doing this, you're doing that stay here so now i have to go so i left i left germany it took me it took me almost 10 years and every every night during that 10 years every night i was saying excuse my language what the fuck did i do why did i live here? i had this i had that why did i come here and then in the morning, I would wake up and I said, maybe one more month, mm. one more month. And um, I think I did okay for myself. I'm happy where I am in my life with what I did. I did most of the things that I wanted to do. Now, this movement is not going to happen overnight. It's exhausting. It's tiring. Um, the are they are throwing you curveballs right now i believe this is my opinion i think one of the reasons that the gas companies or the gas lines in certain parts of the uh, parts of iran or tehran is shut down is just because they want to keep the people busy if you're f freezing your ass off and you have to take care of your family you will never go on the street and protest against the government so you want to feed you want to keep your family warm that's why they're shutting down the gas they don't give you gas and that's one of the one of the things that's happening there but everything is there go and take it it belongs to you it doesn't belong to this handful of people who are sitting there and robbing you the guy who is coming and telling you oh if you eat more than one meal a day this is a crime Look at his neck. His neck is twice as your waist, and he's sitting there and he's telling you eat only once a day. 
I mean, this is just, I don't know. I mean, this is what frustrates me um, because uh, all these people were sitting there and I have no idea where do they get all these bullshit that they are feeding people, all these stories that, oh, it's like that he was there when so-and-so was running with the sword in the middle of the desert and all of a sudden the desert turned into field of green. Right, what the right. uh, hello? I mean, this is really, these are the, these are the charlatans of our time. Mm. They're very dangerous. They're dangerous not because they are dangerous, they're dangerous because they, they tell all those stories so convincingly and they, are, they even believe in the bullshit that they are saying. What's it like to be in, in Lisbon? Tell me about the the energy there, both from the Iranian community and non-Iranians. You posted a, a video of being at a demonstration there, which sounded like there was a, a fair amount of people in Portugal we, uh, on side. We don't hear a lot about demonstrations in Lisbon. Tell us about it. Well, we don't have that many. Um, the community here is, is not that huge, maybe a uh, few hundred people. And a few hundred people that have been very active, a few hundred people that are here in Lisbon, in Porto, and some Algarve, and there are different areas. And um, they they get together and they they're really they're working very um, they're working very hard to get a, uh, get the message out there. And the um, uh, member of the parliaments here, they uh, they have been very active. The city has been very open-minded. The city, some of them, they um, they took the um, uh, what is that? The political um, guardianship, um, sponsorship, so sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for some of the some of the people who have been arrested. Yeah, and um, the. Um, on the news channels, you see that almost every other day there is something. There is something about Iran. So the the community, even Portuguese community, have been they have been very active. Also, the um, celebrities, the the people, they are they are active. They are speaking out, and even though that the, um, the population is very small, but there's a movement, and, uh, which is good. Today, they were uh, they had a gathering in front of the parliament um, in Strasbourg, uh, or in, in in Lisbon as well. In Lisbon, in Lisbon as well, and they were there at four o'clock. Um, the group that they were uh, they were active here in Lisbon, and they they are working nonstop. They've been they've been trying. Navid, in terms of next steps for the diaspora, are you somebody who's a are you energized or um, positive about the uh, some of these people? You must know some of these uh, opposition leaders. Uh, they've been called leaders, at least uh, from Nazanin Boniadi to to Gol Shifte and and Hamed Ismailoun and, and Reza Pahlavi, etc., coming together and trying to form some sort of united coalition. Is that um, something that you advocate for? Um, I would definitely stand by them. I mean, I know. Um I know each and every one of them except Hamid personally. I've seen what they have done when it wasn't a movement. Mm. I've seen how active they have been, even when they weren't on the spotlight, in the spotlight. 
Do you know what I mean? I mean, they are not doing what they are doing just because they want to get the attention. They have been doing it for years. I'm Nazanin. Nazanin has been working on stuff. Goal Shifter. Goal Shifter has been outspoken. I've known, I met her a few years back when she came to the to the U.S. for the first time. And then we said, in touch, she's a sweetheart and she, she speaks out. And I think that she's very brave. She's one of the bravest women who I've met when everybody else was still trying to shy, be, be cautious. Mm. She just threw a cautious out of the window and she went out there and she said, here I am. What do you want to do? And I, I, I respect that. Reza Pallavi, uh, you, if you listen to him, he, has, he hasn't changed. I mean, the, uh, and the entire family. Um, I, met, I met his wife when we, were in, uh, when we were filming in Greece. When I was filming in Greece, she was there helping all the refugees. And the way that this woman, without... There is no camera, there is nothing right. there, and this right. woman without even <laughs> she's there, she's she's with the kids, she's it was one of the things that kind of there were some of her behaviors that um I saw from her and some of the the way that she was interacting with the with the refugees kind of reminded me of uh Shabanu. Mm. Faradiba. I mean, the way that uh, the way that she was interacting, it was very, very down to earth, very genuine. Being with the people, and the couple of times that I met her, she was very. This is Yasmin. Yeah, Yasmin Jasmine. Palavi. Yeah. yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you know Ali Kairimi? Um, I know of him. I don't know him personally. I, I know of him. Of yes, course. I, of course. And Massey, Massey has been outspoken for for a while and. The problem that we have is that everybody is like that. Um, <laughs> the gathering that we had, everybody was fighting about the flag. Yeah. Um, the the first gathering, very first gathering that we, we put together in Los Angeles. You mean whether to have the Shir Horshid or not? Or is that the. Have a Shir Horshid, not having a Shir Horshid, having a touch, not having the touch, having this, having that. And everybody was, no, we have to say this, we have to say that, we need to do this, we need to do that. And I went up to them and I said, You guys are fighting over the flag when you don't even have the country. Let's have the country and then we agree on the flag. The flag doesn't do anything for you. When you're standing and there is no country to put this flag into it, I mean, what do you want to do? It takes it takes time, but uh, I think we just need we just need to keep going. Am I exhausted? Yes, I'm. I, I'm sure I'm not as exhausted as uh, lots of people in Iran who are fighting for this. But um, for me, my my exhaustion, my frustration comes a little bit because I'm, I cannot be there. Mm. This may, this may seem like a strange question, but you are, you are literally one of the most prolific actors 
um, I know or I've seen. I, I Iranian, non-Iranian. I mean, you, you just go through your IMDb, and it's a, it's it's basically a, a you know, it's a list of what uh, films and TV shows that have been made in the last twenty years. The, most of the prominent ones, Navid Negahban has been in, um, or the good ones, I should say, at least. Um, so I can only imagine that you continue to get um, offers to do things and you continue to have a lot of options in terms of what you want to do. Has the last four months somehow changed what you want to do in terms of your 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 creative work? Yeah, uh, kind of. Uh, there were contracts that I had that I had to do. But at the same time, there were uh, there is a I don't know maybe it's um, I wasn't looking to find a new job mm. maybe because I was too busy I was too busy paying attention to what was going on and what was happening um, even though that might have became a little bit quiet but I felt me just repeating and saying what everybody else is saying. A okay, it's just another voice, but let's see if we can do something. Yeah. So, um, so those things I don't. I, we don't need to talk about it. You just need to do it. So you just go ahead and do it, and just you're hoping for the best. Let's see. Um, let's see what's going to happen. Let's see what's going to come out of it. But in, t- in terms what of the, it? the kind of Go roles, the, in terms of the kind of roles you'll take or something, I mean, is that, is, are you affected by this? Do you sort of go, you know what? I'm done with making comedies for now because I'm just so pissed off or I, I don't know. I don't know what the, <laughs> you know. Or. Actually, I, I, I don't mind to do some comedy. I need some, <laughs> I need some right, laughter. Right, I need right, to make right. people. But, um, yes, um, no, not really. I mean, I never, um, I didn't, uh, I don't, because I don't judge the character, I don't judge the script. If yeah. I like the script, if I like the character, then then I will look into it. Yeah. Uh, until then, I don't, I, I don't know what to say. Um, there are certain roles that you want to play and uh, there are certain roles that you don't want to touch. There have been some of those roles that, he came to me and I had to say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not something, mm. it's not right for me. I'm sure that somebody else mm. can do an amazing job, but it's not the right project for me. But um, it's such a strange time, man. It's such a strange time for us as Iranians because honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of some of the projects you've been working on recently and I, and I think, or, you know, the contracts maybe you had before this, uh, the, 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 the uprising began, but, and I, and I, you know, my I instinctively want to do an interview with you about your latest projects and tell me about this character and the, the kind of interview we would do, uh, and that hopefully we will do again. And, <laughs> but it just right now it feels like um, just strange to be talking about um, that. You know, and I think that's it what is. It, I have you. You haven't seen any of my posts. I haven't. I mean, I haven't I've seen all your posts. No, I yeah. know, but I. I mean, what I'm saying is that I had projects that came out. Right. Right. And even uh, even you're not, not telling anybody about them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't care. I don't care. It is out there. You guys want to watch it. Just Google <laughs> yeah. it and go watch it. That's yeah. what it is. I used to be very excited about my projects. I'm still excited about my projects. But um, for me, wanting um, to 
I don't know. It's hard, man. You know, Bob uh, Bobakamini was telling me recently, of course, the great uh, guitarist, our, our friend, you know, that um, yeah. it's, it's the first time in his life. I mean, here's a guy who is basically exiled from Iran, has been arrested at the airport, has been through the whole kit and caboodle of things that, that, that the well-known Iranians, dissidents go through. Yet he said this is the first time that he doesn't feel like playing gigs. He just doesn't feel like, you know, he doesn't he, he, he doesn't have the same desire right now because he's so um, consumed in, both in terms of the heartbreak and perhaps the, 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 the energy of a possibility of, of change with what's going on in Iran. That that's, he just doesn't have that desire. It's quite, a, it's quite incredible how it's really affected us all. It's really affected no, us in this way. It's crazy. I used to... Um they used to send me a script, the script, I would read the script overnight, analyze the script, analyze the character by the next day or maximum two days after receiving the script, I was I knew exactly what I want, I knew exactly what's going on and that's it, I was sending my notes and I have scripts that have been sitting here for, for weeks, I can't even, I, I see that I open it, and the moment that I open the script on my computer, all of a sudden a message pops up, okay, so-and-so got arrested. Yeah. This, this is what's happening. Then you uh, you can completely, it's just kind of, why, it's why, been down and stuff. Why is, it so, why is it so hard for us now? Someone like you, you're, you've been aware of this regime for the last 43, 44 years. You've been a victim of it. Uh, why, why is it so difficult right now? Is it because we're just seeing more than we would in the past? Is it because there's kids involved? Why does it feel so atrocious? Now is it feels that the people are woken up. See, the thing is that we had it was like a um, was that the red pill or blue pill? Hmm. We already took that red pill. We were already aware. We were coming out. That's the reason that we came out because we saw exactly what's happening and what's going on. But there were so many people who are who are still who were stuck and every time when I, even when I said something, even if I said something, they, I was attacked verbally. Every time I was saying something, uh, people were saying, oh, no, we are very happy. This is fantastic. This is great. You don't know what you're talking about. You just sold the country. You're going over there. You are a uh, Vatan Farouche. You are a traitor. Just go, okay, I go. So sometimes you see, you see the hole. You tell a person, just watch out for a hole. There's a hole, be careful. Hmm. You keep saying it, but, um, but then you just sit back and you watch it. Now, if this person is getting to the hole, they see the hole, Turns around and says, "Oh my God, there is a hole. Let's let's do something about this hole. Let's let's get rid of it. Let's fill right, it in. Right. Let's fix it." Then you say, "Okay, I'm jumping in. I'm helping. I'm willing to help." You're, and this is one of those movements. We just cannot give up. The uh, we cannot give up. I hope. I hope that. Um, I hope that the people they they wake up. They wake up in Iran, they see exactly what's happening because um, 
all these kids who are being arrested, all these kids who are being executed. Um, this is not, um, if you don't, if you don't wake up, um, tomorrow you might be mourning for your own child. Mm-hmm. Just, just wake up, wake up. The neighbor's child, neighbor's son is your son. Well, let me, let me, let me ask you a final question on that note, which is, and I, and I really appreciate the time, brother. Always, I always like having you on the program. I, I I hope we'll do it in a more um, positive uh, space and mindset in the coming months or years. But um, uh, the the fact that it's late at night there and you're doing this, I really appreciate it. Um, Are are you, I mean, I I sort of know the answer to this because you told the story about, um, uh, of coming to coming to America, and uh, and I remember the last time we we spoke in detail and the the stories of you being a cab driver and doing all the things you did before you became the the star you are. Um, you know, it, it took a long time, as they say, it took a long time to become an overnight sensation. Um, but uh, but um, so I know you're someone who is a has believes in in hope and 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 moving forward. Do do you feel, with that said, optimistic about twenty twenty three for us? Uh, I do, and it's going to be a very rough year. It is going to be very rough. It's going to be very rough. I mean, the first thing that you need to do, you uh, people, they need to wake up and clean up their mess, and clean up the neighborhood, clean up the stench. And the stages is um, that um, the judge was sitting there and sentencing everyone to uh, to be executed. That judge needs to be questioned. So when you say it's going to be a rough year, you mean bloodshed? Is that what you mean? It, um, it, it needs to be. It needs to be. These people, these bastards are not going to learn the lessons unless somebody teach them the lesson. Now, this lesson that's being, um, I mean, however it is, I mean, all these people are sitting over there and they think that they are above the law and above God. What they are doing, they are killing, they are killing God. They are killing God's creation in the name of God. (laughs) Who are these people who think they are above God. If God created this, if God wants to punish it, God can easily get rid of it, punish it. So who are you? Everybody has a choice. They are given choice. So all these choices are out there. So you you cannot go out there and say, no, this is what the people should do. Uh, I think... I think that Iranian people are, uh, that have been very kind to these to these mullahs who are abusing and they're taking advantage of other people, they should be questioned. They should be questioned. How do you want to question them? It's up to you. If we've spoken so long, your light has gone out, literally. The electricity has gone out in Portugal. Well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. But um, good luck. Good luck to everyone. Love you all. Nabi John, thanks. Thanks for this, brother. Thank you.
Thank you. Thanks for having me and um, thanks for the chat. Thanks for the time. Uh, hopefully, we're going to catch up soon. Hopefully. Let's see. Take care of yourself. Okay. Bye, bye, bye. John. Thanks. Bye. Love. A great Navid Negahban in Lisbon, Portugal. That's full time for Rook for today. Thank you to the amazing team who put this show together. Savi Roham, Anahita, Padisaw, Pega, Meritot, and Guvi Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already on any or all of our platforms. You can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizumashi. Mizumashi.